and welcome back to episode two of Eyes on the Mize. I am one of your hosts, John. Joining me on the line is Ian. Hey, everybody. What's going on? And we are here for episode two. Uh, remember, this is the only double release week. You had episode one, so if you want to listen to who we are again, go back to that one. If you want to hear about how we are super hyped for Shadows of Innistrad, you're definitely in the right place. Super hyped? I mean, to be fair, the, hi- the, the hype train has a near infinite speed. It's just always increasing. Yeah, that's very true, especially for you set going back to a plane. I mean, we've done this, what, back-to-back sets now? Yes. Now, I will say that um, how Wizards handled last weekend with the three GPs and the three escape rooms for the spoilers was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was the, the ladies that were in charge of it. I wish I had their names pulled up. I know one of them is uh, Liz Smith. She's worked with a bunch of people. Like her team of her, I think Liz Lamfero, uh, Allison Lurs, and a couple other people from outside the company actually were brought in for the puzzle things. They did an absolute bang up job. Yeah. Yeah, Liz Smith of Damn It Liz Productions. Yes. Um, who's now an employee at Wizards of the Coast. So you can thank her. I believe her Twitter is Damn It Liz yeah. uh, for all of the things that went down. Um, they were all spectacular. I didn't go. To, I wasn't able to go to any of the GPs. I don't know Ian wasn't either. But by all accounts, that was a great job this weekend. This past now weekend. It's, now what's funny is, kind of just an aside on that. Like there's been some coverage shortcuts, I guess, recently, in terms of like, for instance, this weekend is Grand Prix DC, which is a team sealed, and there's no coverage. No, no video coverage. There is text coverage. No right. video coverage. No video coverage. The pro, Sam Black, brought up a great point. If we're not getting video coverage this week, but it means we got what we got last week in terms of crazy spoiler-like reveals, I'll take that. Absolutely. If they just reallocated their sources to that, hell, I'm for that. Yeah, one thing that I know that I that I'm going to just, just but just give me another sealed team sealed GP on the West Coast though, <laughs> for for your own selfish reasons, very much so. Yeah, I will I will go ahead and say that I do want to stress is that there are more Magic players that play non competitively than they play competitively, and there are probably even more Magic players who don't even hear the spoilers, don't even know. They just like run by a store and go, oh, there's a new set coming out. That's awesome. Um, and these spoilers are a big way of getting people in, into the, into the game, and it more invested in the game. So there are definitely more people who don't care about the pro scene, who don't care about any type of magic except the ones that they play at the kitchen table, and that is totally fine. Yep. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right in to our expectations prior to the spoilers, because oh, Ian and I, we didn't play where during... We, where are we going? No, before we get that, where are we going? Oh, we're, oh, we're going to Innistrad. That's right. Innistrad. Um, <laughs> invested players who've been playing since Innistrad was released in 2011, 2010? 12? Yes, it, somewhere around there. The exact date is, well, <laughs> no. Ian and I didn't play during Innistrad, the original Innistrad block. Um, the, the theme of Innistrad is gothic horror, and the big thing about Innistrad, it was the first top-down designed set. Top-down being, what is the flavor? What is the name of this card? What should, what should a card called Delver of Secrets do? What should a card called Zombie Apocalypse do? Uh, is, take, is taking from the top of the card down since Kamigawa. 
And Kamigawa, by all accounts, by all metrics that Wizards has, was a failure. There are diehard fans of every single block and every single setting. Not to say that those people don't exist, but but this is the first leap into the top-down design since the failure of Kamigawa. And every single account that I have heard about this block says this that set, that block, was amazing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we were both right. Innistrad itself came out in September, and then the other two came out in the beginning of 2012. So. Okay. Good to know. So... This is yeah. a gothic horror set. It was all about spooky, scary skeletons and zombies and vampires and werewolves. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, having never not played during either of those, any of those sets, and having essentially just seen the cards and seen the effects that they've had and the themes of Innistrad, here are our expectations. We're going to go ahead and start with mine. Um, you'll notice a distinct theme between my expectations and Ian's expectations. Um, my first expectations was that I was going to see some sort of monster tribal in the set. Uh, Innistrad had a very strong tribal theme where the main tribes were spirits, humans, de- or, uh, vampires, werewolves, and zombies. The big leap they took in Innistrad was they made blue zombies kind of in the Frankenstein's monster uh, vein. And I, th- I think it's very, very likely we're going to see some, a few tribal synergies throughout uh, the Shadows of Innistrad block. We've already started to see some of them, but yeah, we can thank Stitcher Garolf for that. Yes, Garolf is uh, Garolf is one mad Frankenstein. Okay, yes. uh, one of my next expectations was there's always some, there's usually some form of returning mechanic in in the block. In return to Mirrodin during Scars of Mirrodin, they brought back Imprint. Uh, we didn't see any returns returning mechanics in Return to Ravnica because they wanted to do all new mechanics, which is totally fine. But it was this, the continuation of the two-colored gold theme. And in Battle for Zendikar, we brought back Landfall and Allies. So we can kind of see that there's usually some form of returning mechanic. And one of the returning mechanics that I kind of bookmarked for returning was Morbid. Now, it turns out Morbid did not come back, but Morbid was a really cool mechanic that I saw that I was like, you know what, this really feels like it could be it could be used again. Apparently, no. I was wrong. We might get it, though, in Eldritch Moon. So we could. There's still one more set in the two-set block to go. That's that totally true. The other one that I was much more certain on, and lo and behold, it was true, was the double-faced cards, which were the most controversial bit, I believe, of the original Innistrad. But then, like, have become basically like the, one of the most beloved mechanics of the, from that set. Yes, and if you talk to Mark Rosewater, he would put double face cards in every set if he had the power to do so. But apparently, there are some printing restrictions and some other restrictions that are outside of design's control. So that's why we don't see DFCs as they're called more often. Especially, and that, namely, was pertaining to when they were talking about, like, hey, can we possibly get, you know, Jace put into a dual deck or something like that, of yeah. which now no longer exists anymore either, but they were looking for a way to kind of, you know, sell no, dual decks are still a thing. Oh, wait, no, not dual decks. You're thinking decks. of the, the event uh, decks. Or the, yeah, um, the event the clash decks. packs and the... Um, okay, right, not dual decks, yeah. The, the, clash, the clash packs, packs and the event packs, packs, like the standard legal things. Right, yeah, that my bad. Yeah, so those kind of things where it's like, hey, we need to get some infusion, because just look what it did for the prices of uh, windswept heath for a little bit once it was released in that also look at the price of geist of saint traft which was printed as a foil in the most recent dual deck blessed versus cursed that's uh, the only it's the only decent card in that so it is and geist has already money. fallen down actually to 
Gravecrawler's creeping back up. Gravecrawler's pretty good. Uh, Gravecrawler also very popular because zombies are popular. I won't lie. I bought I bought the deck. No, I did too. It was, <laughs> I played against a few. I played them against together a few times. They're great. But Geist is already down to a ten dollar card off of that printing. Anyways, I also expect some, I also expected some sort of graveyard synergies. Horror is reeks of things coming back from the dead. So I was like, you know, there's got to be some sort of graveyard synergy mechanic. My big mechanical expectation, though, was that Flashback was not going to come back. Thank God. <laughs> because, now, my reasoning is not necessarily a flavor one, because a lot of people like, Innistrad's back. Awesome, we're going to have Flashback. And I'm just kind of like, really? Now, I actually did the math, and Flashback first came out in Odyssey block, and Flashback is an incredibly powerful mechanic, because it lets you cast a spell twice. That's why the spell Think Twice, which is uh, two and a blue draw a card, has flashback one in the blue to draw another card. Actually, might have those costs flipped, but in either case, that is more than you would pay for just divination, which is two in a blue, draw two cards. I think that's right. Yeah, and the other thing with flashback is that they usually bring it back every five to six years because after Odyssey, it came back in Time Spiral block, and after Time Spiral it came back in Innistrad. So we're, we're right close about. We're hitting that five-year mark. We are in the five-year mark, and I was like, maybe, maybe they do bring it back, but I'm, I'm happy that it's not because I think that a format with flashback and Jace French Prodigy is kind of disgusting. Yes, we'll get to we'll get to disgusting things with Vince Prodigy that aren't his price in a moment. Uh, my other expectations was Planeswalkers. Now that we know a little bit more of the story, because there's a big focus on lore now in Magic, I had and a few I expectations for McClausen Forthos. Yes. Um, so my expectations was we're going to see Jace. Well, yeah. we're probably going to get a Jace Planeswalker. If we he's don't get old. a Jace Planeswalker, I would be surprised. I would be surprised because he's literally on all the packaging. <laughs> he is he's literally on all the packaging, yes. We're, we're getting a Jace Planeswalker. He's the only member of the Gatewatch to not get a card in Battle for Zendikar. He's probably getting a card in Shadows of Innistrad, whether you like it or not. The next expectation is Liliana. Liliana Vess, our favorite mono-black anti-hero character. The Innistrad is her favorite haunt, pun intended, and she's already on the key art for Eldritch Moon, which has been released, so getting a new Liliana is probably very likely. Odds of reprint of Liliana Vale? Low. Very unlikely. I would put it at less than 10%. Oh, that's what, that's what uh, Eternal Masters is for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll talk about that set later. Now, my mm -hmm. next expectations, um, I have Nahiri down. Now, Nahiri's mainly here because Soren in Dragons of Tarkir awoke Ugin. Ugin's like, yo, man, where's Nahiri? Oh, get her and find me. Well, we haven't seen Nahiri in a set, period. We've only heard about her. The only Nahiri, Nahiri card we have is from the Commander set two, a year, uh, two years ago. And that's it's a historical Nahiri. That's mine. That's mine, Commander. Yes, and we we have a friend who is a, uh, I want to say Nahiri acolyte. <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> calling calling you out just straight up. Uh, oh, but yeah. Nahiri is very. I think Nahiri is very likely for a planeswalker card in the set. As at, on some level, it doesn't look like she's going to show up in Shadows of Innistrad, but we'll get to that later. But I would expect a, a, at least some form of a card from her. Oh, for sure, considering some of the cards are already referencing her. Yes. Soren, this is this is his home plane. 
And why is Jace going to Innistrad to find Soren? So Soren probably has a card. Spoiler alert, he does. Yeah, they've, they've basically already dropped hints as to who we're getting. Yeah, LSV is spoiling him on the 17th. Yes. Yes. On the as well as what's her name? We'll get to we'll get to her in a minute. Okay. Uh, my other two expectations was people kept saying we're going back to Innistrad. That means we're going to get Tamio and Tybalt, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> people were just so obsessed about the the two Avacyn restored planeswalkers of Tamio and Tybalt that they're like, oh, we're going back to Innistrad. Maybe we'll get a new one of these, and I don't think that we're gonna. I didn't think we're gonna get either of them. Excuse me. In the new set. We're definitely going to see Tamio. Well, Spoilers. Tamio is super, super heavily referenced. Jace is following her clues. So Tamio probably has a good chance of showing up. Tybalt, we have seen no indication that Tybalt's going to show up. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people asking Mark Rosewater on his on his Tumblr uh, blogatog, Are we? can we see a new Tybalt? Does Tybalt have to be a two-mana Planeswalker? Or can we get a Tybalt that doesn't suck? So we're, we'll see. But uh, speaking of Tamio, can we go to... Can we talk a little spoilerish thing? Or uh, I think since that was probably leaked, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, no, I just that's fair. Wanna... If you want to know what we're looking talking about, go on the go on the Magic subreddit. You can find it there, or Twitter. Just search Tamio and you'll find it. You'll find something. But remember, spoiler alert: we, we told you. Now, Tybalt would I would love to see a new Tybalt. I just don't think it's here. Yeah. And that kind of neatly wraps up my what my expectations were walking into this block. You notice that I mainly talked about mechanics and kind of the, the little bit of the story. You, you took some of the ones I was looking at, like Graveyard Synergies and some of the Planeswalker yeah. stuff. So I just wanted to differentiate my list, which kind of seemed to have a more competitive edge, I guess you could say. <laughs> mainly, I just wanted... My first one is, I just wanted to know what rare land cycle we're going to get. We That's get a big one, every one for time. standard. Yeah, big one for standard. Not only that, but also potentially uh, other formats da- formats down the line. Just look at the impact that um, we got when we got cons fetches, which were the reprints of the onslaught fetches, which brought those onslaught fetches in the modern, which was sorely needed, of course, because well, fetch lands were those the onslaught fetches were stupidly priced at tank, but now they're creeping back up again. Of course, the Zendikar fetches have shot up at themselves so it's you print one one goes up one drops but well, we're, we are, rare we are land, overdue for enemy fetch line reprint but it's not going to be here rare land wise i was kind of hoping we'd see something along the lines of the is it's enemy no yeah yeah enemy the enemy what are they called fast lands or check lands check lands are you talking the about the were, ones from the original Innistrad, or are you talking about yes, the... the ones from the original Innistrad, which okay. are basically, when it enters the battlefield, it looks for a particular type. So in this case, it would be looking for, the blue-black one would be looking for a swamp or Oh, no, a, that is the allied one. So oh, the allied one. The blue-black one would be drowned catacombs. It, it's looking for a swamp or an island. Right. Are you, are you, are you talking about the allied, the enemy ones, like Clifftop Retreat, Isolated no, Chapel. No, I'm not. I'm looking. I'm looking for a reprint. I'm looking for a new. A reprint. A reprint. A reprint though would be great, considering the fact that we have the Battlelands. Yeah. I call them Battlelands. We're leaving at that. That's. That's fair. There. There will be no. <laughs> I, I I I was on the I was on the Tango bandwagon for a while, but I've I've since changed my ways. Good man. <laughs> 
No, but the, the Battlelands being the allied colors, we end with the Fetchlands leaving. Standard mana bases are going to be a lot less crazy than they are now. And Absolutely. I'm happy for that. We had... Everyone's like, oh, well, I can just incidentally play five colors. What do you freaking do? Let me play Rally. Yeah. I'm also looking at... I'm keeping an eye on some of these things. I, I'll admit, I, as much as I say, oh, I don't want to play Standard, I hate Standard, I keep an eye out for things Standard just because if there's a deck that looks fun and cheap, relatively speaking, I'm going to play it. Like, for me, with the exception of the Jaces, Blue-Red Prowess is actually a pretty cheap deck. Well, I think you also mean it with the exception of the... Well, no, actually, no, there's probably no fetch lines in the deck either, yeah. So, yeah, Blue-Red no, Prowess. You know, you can play fetches. I play fetches in mine. You can play it without them, but yeah. I play it with the fetches so I can touch. So basically my red-black fetch can fetch a blue source or my black-red can fetch right. a blue source. Right, right, And because that incidental black splash off of the same combination from Polluted Delta and Bloodstained Mire, that lets me play main deck Painful Truths. Yes, that's a very good card but, in that deck. Oh, it's insane. I love yep. it. Also lets me play a main board Murder's Cut, which is amazing as well. Murder's Cut, Any very good card. Very glad to be rotating. God, I'm going to miss Delve. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking... I also, I'm just more, more worried about what decks are going to take a minor hit. Like, what will transition well? Like, if I wanted to get into a standard deck, or if, like, a listener wants to get into a, a relatively inexpensive standard deck that's not going to have a huge rotation, people are already starting to look at that. I mean, we rotate in a month. So, stuff like... Four color rally. Based off of some of the spoilers we're gonna to get to in a little bit, I think might still be around in some way, shape, or form. Well the big it's thing for that deck specifically is that rally is rotating. Right. So we're gonna see some like, we'll see some way, shape, or form that, that deck is gonna morph. But the rally deck as we know it is gone come April. Yes. Not just not not ignoring the fact that it's no longer going to be able to support the four color mana base it already does. Right. Let alone yeah, mana base aside, we're just not getting yeah. So, and we're losing R.I.P. Seed Rhino. Thank God. <laughs> we'll do that with we'll do that one. We'll we'll talk about that in another podcast. Right. But we're losing stuff like that. So a lot of the Obzon decks, a lot of the three color decks, are going to go away. Not, I, I'll say they'll still be some be around because we still have the Battlelands and stuff. People but, are going to play three colors as long as they can play three colors. As long as the mana is good enough, they will play three colors. I think I, that losing, Wizards losing, losing cons of Tarkir and the good three color wedge cards from there is really going to limit what people want to play. Right. Or they won't they won't be incentivized to try and play four colors and splashing that other really good card like I'm gonna play Mardu and splash green for Seed Rhino because it's a freaking house. Or, or I'm gonna I'm play gonna... Jeskai and splash black for Crackling Doom. Correct. Which I'm glad is a, it was a real card for a little bit in standard. I was so glad. Card is so sweet. It had its day in the sun and I loved it. It was great. <laughs> but right. the other thing I'm looking at is I could have used one angel for this, but for the love of Sarah one time, no Eldrazi, please. I th yeah, I think we're a bit Eldrazi out. Eldrazi is in standard. Eldrazi is in modern. Eldrazi is in freaking legacy, where it gets even more 
dual like soul lands where it can pay two mana for one thing it yeah. goes from like eight to like 16 or some something stupid like that and it's like uh, oh they could they do they play cloud post I haven't seen one playing Cloud Post, but I, I know they would, I know they get Ancient they Tomb, which taps for two colorless. They play City of Traders and Ancient Tomb. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, it's like, ugh. yeah, but at least it has not been dominant in Legacy. Like it no, no, no. It's, I, I honestly think that Legacy is diverse of a format enough that it will, it could potentially be a tier two, tier one point five deck, yeah. and that's totally, and that's, and I'm, and I'm, per, and everyone's like. We're not worried about like everyone I talk to that likes playing legacies. Like we're not worried necessarily about Eldrazi. Everything is balanced well enough in the metagame that it's not going to just just roll everything like it has in modern. Or yeah. I'm not really going to say standard because we don't have the crazy lands there. But yeah, it's still a pretty actual decent deck. Yeah, that if you're looking for a decent one that might not rotate a lot, Blue Red Eldrazi is pretty decent. Yes. Also, there's a decent red black aggro Eldrazi deck that might get some might, that might get a few toys, but those are those are kind of the decks that I would keep an eye on if they have Eldrazi, and I'm totally on board with you. No, I am tired. I, we're, we're not going to get Eldrazi. I would say almost without a doubt we won't see any Eldrazi for yeah. Shadows. We're going to get any cards with with sub with the creature type Eldrazi. Eldritch Moon is an entirely different thing. That is true. I will. I will. I would give Eldritch Moon a pass on that, but namely because we can kind of use this. To, no, we'll, we'll talk about it with some of the spoiled cards. I'll bring yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. I am totally. I am not a essentially Embercool Innistrad shipper. That's really what it's come. What it's come down to is it's an Embercool Innistrad relationship, and shippers going to ship if you learn if you've learned anything about the internet and nerd culture. Oh, well, I have my I have my uh, theories on that one, but we can talk about that. Yeah. After we talk about what actually goes on the cards that have been spoiled so far. Yes, because we have the spoiled mechanics. Uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Tabak, who is the rules manager for Magic, on Monday put up the mechanics article where he says, here are the mechanics, here's how they work. It's not the official rules release. That doesn't happen until we've seen all the cards, so that's not going to come out for another two weeks or so. But we do have the five mechanics that are in the set. And they made are, some pretty, pretty cool little videos to go with them, too. Yes. Um, they're all on the Wizards YouTube channel. I'll actually put them probably in the blog post where this goes up on, which, by the way, we have a blog. I will Ooh. let you guys know the URL probably later. We'll be tweeting these out, and you'll, you'll, you'll find them. Close it out. We'll close it out. Uh, <laughs> the mechanics are Delirium, Madness, Transform, which is the double-faced card mechanic, Investigate, and Skulk. So, I want to start with my favorite, which was the first mechanic that we saw, which is Delirium. So, what is Delirium? Let's go ahead and take my favorite card with Delirium, Toppelgeist. <laughs> you would go there. It's my Twitter avatar for a reason. Now... Toppelgeist is a 1-white for a 1-1 flyer. It's a spirit. When it enters the battlefield, you tap target creature and opponent controls. But it has Delirium. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in, in your graveyard, tap target creature that player controls. Now, the Delirium part of Toppelgeist is the four or more card types among cards in your graveyard. One of the best oh. nicknames I've heard for this is it's a mini-goyf ability, basically. Tom based off of the card Tarmogoyf, which has power and toughness essentially equal to the number of different card types in your graveyard. 
Delirium is a... It gets X. It gets X, yeah. Uh, Delirium is a scaled-back version of it where it says, do you have four card types in your graveyard? If so, here's a bonus. So for those at home, that could be you have a land, a creature, instant, sorcery. Bam, there's four card types. There are eight total card types, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, they are creature, instant, sorcery, land, enchantment, artifact, planeswalker, and tribal. Now, if you if you manage to put a tribal card in your graveyard in standard or limited, judge, you need to call a judge because that can't happen because they're not printing tribal cards anymore. So in standard, that's seven different card types that you can be, could be playing with. In limited, that really means six because if you want a planeswalker, congratulations, you probably have a good shot at winning your draft. So what Delirium says in limited, which is kind of the main place where I look at it, it says you need two thirds of the card types in this format in your graveyard for this to happen. Yep. So Delirium is super sweet. It's also it's also super flavorful. This this entire block, like Innistrad had a lot of flavor. Shadows of Innistrad has a lot of flavor. Like just looking at Toppelgeist, when he enters the battlefield he taps one of your opponent's creatures. And then if you are delirious, he starts tapping something every turn. It's amazing. Oh, it's it's gonna be fun, and and we've already seen some cards that have been printed with abilities that are gonna help you basically ditch stuff into the graveyard, kind of like what we saw along the lines of Cedar Wayfinder and Tigum Scheming. Cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Basically, there's card. There's gonna be cards that say ETB or this or discard a card or. Yeah. Whatever it, you can get stuff in your graveyard. There's ways. Yes. There are going to be ways to do it. In this Wizard set. does a great job of enabling their limited their mechanics in limited. Now, speaking of discarding cards, have you heard of this mechanic called madness? Uh, let's go ahead and look at. In a straw. There, I did the joke. That's the one time. There we go. So madness. Let's look at the card. Just the wind. It's a one in the blue instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand, and it has madness blue. The rules text, or the reminder text says, if you discard this card, if you discard this card, discard it into exile. When you do, cast it for its madness cost or put it into your graveyard. So what madness essentially says is, if you find a way to discard me, then you get to cast me for cheap. Madness was first seen in temp or uh, torment. Is Odyssey torment? Yeah, Odyssey torment judgment. It was first seen in torment. And the the big flashy madness card is Basking Rootwalla, which is a yes. one man, which is a two mana, two mana one one. No, it's a one mana one one. It's a single green, correct? Uh, yes. I am going to go ahead and look that up. But it's a yeah. it's a single green for a one one. It's a Rootwalla. You can and pay one of the green to pump you. it, <laughs> and then you can. It has a madness cost of zero. So if you discard it, you can cast it for free. Yeah, one mana, one, one, single green lizard. One of the green gets plus two, plus two. Only do it once per turn. Mm-hmm. So Madness is a really flavorful mechanic that Mark Rosewater put an eight on the storm scale, meaning that something really, something has to happen for, to them, for them to bring back Madness. Something really special has to happen. A, I think if it's flavorfully with the whole tagline of Unravel the Madness, it's perfect with what they're doing in the storyline. Plus, it's just a sweet mechanic that people have been asking for, but it requires a very specific format. I think, and I think they found it with this. Yeah, especially with 
Uh, remember that guy who we talked about earlier, Jay's friend's prodigy. Doesn't yeah, he make does, does, discard a card? Doesn't he make you discard cards? He does, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Now, funny thing with madness and Jace. If you tap Jace to loot and you discard a madness card, he will not flip. Unless you have five cards in your graveyard when you loot him. Right, because it says the lovely discard into exile. But yes. can we just can I just get back really quick to just the wind? Yes. The art on it looks like old school magic art, and I love it. <laughs> The art on Just the Wind has been pre- is amazing. For those of you who are not looking at the card, by the way, we're, we're looking at the card image gallery. It shows a woman in a night bonnet and nightgown holding a candle. There's a little trail of smoke leading off of it as the wind blows it out. And on, on the curtains behind her, in blue, it looks like they're eyes. So many eyes. So, obviously, it was Just the Wind. And it's with so with, good. with the best flavor it. text, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> It's just, uh, I just, it's just I the just wind. Love, and the card's good. Just return card creature to its owner's hand. Unsummon has been getting though. better and better since we've it's come back common. to the game. It's a common. And it's a common. And you know what common means? Popper. <gasps> Yay. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted this to uh, one of the big popper aficionados in the Magic Article writing community. He actually quoted me in a retweet, uh, and I kind of felt like, ah. Oh, Oh, I got noticed. Where he said, "I was," he said, "I was so upset that I didn't see this card before I sent my article in for this week." So oh, yeah, upset. I, did, I saw that. Like he was just like, "Oh, this came out right after I finished my article." It's like, well, you know, oh yeah. well. But so, what you can expect for Madness and Limited is a lot of diff- different discard outlets, cards that just say discard a card. It so far in this set, we have seen. Let me just go ahead and do a quick count. I count one. I count. Uh, where's another one? Two, three, three. I think there's like four, five so far. Five discard cool. outlets. Pour over the pages. Falcon Math Aristocrat. Yeah. yeah. There's 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 enablers. There are enablers at common, at uncommon. There, there's a rare oh. one. We'll, we'll talk about him. So uh, if you want to play madness cards, they're going to be outlets. Also standard. There's Jace. <laughs> so. Uh, the next one that I want to get to is Investigate. Basically, Investigate says, when you investigate, put a, put a clue token into play. With It's an artifact, not a creature, just an artifact token, with pay two, sack it, draw a card. Now remember, it's a token, kids. So if when you sack it, it doesn't go in the graveyard. It will trigger when an artifact is put into the graveyard effects, but it will not be in the graveyard. So you can't, like, reanimate. Namely for, namely for Delirium. Yeah, namely for Delirium. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how to feel about this mechanic. It fits with what they're trying to do. Like, the name is perfect for the theme. The mechanic is probably more powerful than I'm giving it credit for. I like it. I like it. Like, for instance, there's a card. Thraven Investigator. One white. just or just a white. One man and white. Great. So... Creature, human, soldier, it's one, two. When it enters the battlefield, it investigates. You just turn one, it's a common. You can just go, turn one, I'm going to lay this down. And bam, you have an investigate token that if any time during the game after that point, you can just go, I'm going to pop and draw a card. Yeah. Assuming you get to two mana, which is a pretty high cost. <laughs> Basically. So I, I think not. this mechanic I, is good. I think it's going to be one of those mechanics everyone's like, I knew I was going to enjoy it, 
it, it has the potential to be like, oh man, this is just so good. Just start grabbing all these investigate cards you can, or it's just gonna be one of those like, eh, I just never really worried about investigating. Now, here, here's my here's my here's my one complaint with investigate. I know I can build a delirium deck. I know I can build a madness deck. I'm not sure I can build an investigate deck. I can I build think, a deck that think, investigates a lot. I don't think it's going to be a mechanic that you're going to build like, you know, you're, you're going to have like the arch like you're not going to have an investigate archetype. Right. So far we've only seen one or two cards that really actually uh, care about the clues. Three? No, fourish cuz there's um Excuse me, there's Tamio's journal. Well, no, no, I was, I was mentioning, I was getting a Tamio's journal. That I'm saying the ones that actually care about. Oh, clues, yes, they care about clues. Yeah, there's this. It's just this is Tamio's journal. It's like Tamio's journal is a five mana legendary artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, investigate. You can tap the journal, sacrifice three clues, search your library for a card, and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. That's the only card we've seen so far that actually cares that you have a bunch of clues on the battlefield. Problem with Tamio's journal? It's a five mana thing. There's no ramp. It's going to come down on five, and before you can actually look for a card in your deck, at most, it's going to be turn. You could possibly do it if you have an investigate deck. The turn it comes down on five. Odds are you're probably not going to get it till turn seven. Yeah. So, investigate super cool, super flavorful. I like it. Next mechanic I want to get to is skulk. Now, there's only one oh, card. Actually, can we just go back like, with investigate? Sure. They've actually they've actually shown the token for the clue. John yeah. Avon art. Yes. Love it. Great art. It's just it's just like an amulet. Like, now there is a note actually... that that clue that was spoiled is token number eleven out of eighteen. Oh, so there's probably more. But I love that people have already started like doing analyzing it. of it and put no, they've done photoshops of it and put the blues clues prawl print. Oh yes, it. yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm just like that's great. Yes, that's great. But there's probably multiple arts for the clues, and that's going to be great. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and go to Skulk. There's only one card that's been spoiled with Skulk. That is Farbog Revenant. It is a 1-3 spirit for two and a black. It has lifelink and it has Skulk. What Skulk says is this creature can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. So as a 1-3, you cannot block the Farbog Revenant with a 2-power, 3-power, 4-power, etc. creature. You can only block it with 0 and 1-power creatures. Basically what it's going to force you to do in this situation is multi-block to kill it. Or with waste small creatures. <laughs> yeah. You better hope you have something that's X uh, one two. Yes, or like or yeah. Raven Investigator I mentioned earlier. Yes. Now there is a bit of noise that I've heard a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit that this might be finally the blue black creature keyword that Wizards has been missing for all the creatures. Before we had prowess, every color pair, every two color combination had shared a creature keyword. Then Prowess came out in cons, and Wizards was like, we love this mechanic. We bet the players are going to love this mechanic. We're just going to make this evergreen and make it the primary blue, secondary red creature keyword mechanic. And Prowess has been doing great work. It's a fun mechanic. It's fun to play with, and it is awesome. See the fact that I am playing it in Standard and have also considered building it in Modern. Yes. Prowess is super, super fun. Does, doesn't hurt that there is probably the, the best red one drop. Better than Goblin Guide. That's a debatable fact. I have but seen more people. Wrong, I have I seen love, more people I saying love Taylor. Taylor's amazing. She's great. <laughs> I've and seen more people. Taylor is, is referencing uh, Monastery Swift Spear. Monastery Swift Spear. Everyone calls it Taylor because Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift Spear. So yeah, they, she does look a little bit like her as well. T Swizzy's the bomb. 
but I've seen more people saying Monastery Swift Spear is probably it might be better than Goblin Guide than I would have expected. There's no downside. No downside. And there are some turns where Swift Spear can hit for four or five damage. Mm-hmm. Anyways, That's so three spells. Yep. So Skulk. <laughs> so Skulk <laughs> is essentially just maybe it's the creature keyword that Blue and Black need to you know get another creature keyword for them. And Skulk seems super flavorful. It definitely fits in the blue black flavor of I trying to be some, elusive. I can, some, I can see some zombies getting that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and being able to get under people. And works well with saboteur abilities, which blue and black are very fond of having, where if you hit your opponent, do X. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Um, and then, let's go ahead and go back to the, the big mechanic, which is transform. These are our double face cards. So every single double face card is going to have some ability that says, when X happens, or at the beginning of whatever, at, have if you, X happens. If you, if you can meet condition X, transform. then flip it. And that ties nicely into, let's go ahead and talk about some of our spoiled cards. And let's start with the, the card that is going to get the most hype based off of story. And probably, I don't know if it's the best card in standard, knowing barely a third of the, barely a quarter of the set. But Archangel Avacyn has to be the card that is beginning the most buzz starting from spoiler season. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, they, this was part. This was the culmination of the reveals we talked about earlier um, across the three Grand Prix, which were Melbourne, uh, Bologna, and Detroit. Now they actually got amazing cosplayer Christine Sprankle. Great job to do Arcane, Archangel Avison, or or it was just more of the Avison from one of the previous sets, one of the first couple days, and I guess she had been in on the art. Or she had to be. Well, no, she was. Um, I don't know if... I'm assuming based on the costume, they gave her multiple references, but she did an absolutely insane job at Avacyn Purifier. Yes. Not nailed it. And the reveal apparently was great. Um, yeah. So what Archangel Avacyn is, it's, it's a... The, the, the front side, so the side you're going to play, is three white-white, Legendary Creature Angel. 4-4. Four, four. All right, sign me up. All right, so it's got Flying and Vigilance. So it's a 5-mana, four, 4-4 four, four Flying Vigilant Angel. I love Sarah Angels. Sarah Angels are great. Right, but it's got Flash. Okay, sweet. All right, so I can flash it in and block something. Awesome. Cool. Uh, I'll play that too. What's that, a rare? But, it, but it's also combat stick. Combat trick on a stick because when it enters, when she enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain indestructible end of turn. So that's right, kids. You can flash her in after you declare blockers. Ooh, vomit, 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 vomit. With with declaring blockers, when you can declare um, effects after blockers that have been declared. All right, awesome. That has to be all the card, right? But it's a flip card, so it's got that X clause. When a non-angel creature you control dies, transform Archangel Avacyn at the beginning of the next upkeep. Now, the beginning of the next upkeep is the most important part about that rules text. Correct. So, say you flash in after blockers. All your guys get indestructible. None of them are going to die. But let's just say for some reason you're happening to play in a deck that has an Eldrazi Scion token in there. Sack your Scion token. <laughs> a yep. creature has died. Condition X has been met. So then you flip her. 
And this is where things get a little crazy. Yes. She's now Avison the Purifier. And she's gone from a white card to a red card. And it has the important little red pip that denotes that its color identity is red. Yes. On the flip side. So her flip side, she's flying. She loses vigilance because she's not watching. She's kicking some butt because she's a 6'5 now. Cool. Awesome. I would play that. But when you transform, so this is on your next upkeep, so it could be your upkeep or your opponent's upkeep. When this creature transforms in Avis in the Purifier, it deals three damage to each other creature and opponent. So you it slag storms. You, you, yeah, you bolt the board in your opponent's face. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good card. She is just all so kinds real- of good. It's just, the reveal was great. It's, Avison is the defining card of the set. She has all these abilities. She is awesome. She is amazing. She's going to see play. She's also going to be a casual favorite for years to come. Because she's red, she can't go in mono-white commander decks, right? Correct. So the big thing to remember about (laughs) double-face cards is that their color identity, which is only important in Commander, is based off of both sides of the card. So even though Archangel Avison is a white card, in Commander she can only go into a red-white deck because her backside is red. Also, we have another flip card, Elusive Tormentor, that flips into a blue card. Yes. It's, or Elusive Tormentor on its face side is black, but it flips into a blue card. Yes, so let's so go ahead and talk about situation. him. He's, he's pretty decent. I'm, I'm, I like him. It was leaked that he is the buy a box promo, by the by. Well, you know what? I still like him. Still still like <laughs> so, him. Still Lucid good. Lucid Torment. All right, so let's go. Come with me on this journey. Lucid Tormentor. Two black black for a 4-4 four, four, creature vampire wizard. I'd play so that in limited. 4-4 four, four for 4. It's a rare. So, but you pay one, discard a card. What's up, Madness? Transform Elusive Tormentor. Now, remember, it's one. One generic. Yes. So you can pay the one generic. You're already guaranteed to have three other mana just sitting there ready to go for madness. Yes. Which is great. But it flips. So you transform it into Insidious Mist. It's an 0-1. Okay, that's not very exciting. I went from a 4-4 to a 0-1. Hexproof, indestructible. I'm still stuck with an 0-1. Can't block, can't be blocked. It's an 0-1. Correct. So what's the what's the catch? So the catch is, whenever Insidious Mist attacks and isn't blocked, you may pay two in a black. If you do transform it, it can't be it can't block and can't be blocked. You have an O one unblockable that can swing in. It can't be targeted. It can't be destroyed. <laughs> you basically just swing in with an O one, then go. Oh, let me just pay three and hit you for four. Oh, by the way, I have one extra mana left over because you're probably doing this on turn five. So then if you try to target and kill your Lucid Tormentor, you just flip it back to Insidious Mist. Yeah. This card is a, is a ultimate flavor win because there's a lot of stories where vampires just turn into mist and they just walk away. And can you hurt a mist? Can a mist be hurt? No. There's no way that a mist can block you or you wouldn't, and you can't block a mist. It is a perfect perfect example of the flavor home runs that is Innistrad. 
Oh yeah, the R and D did some seriously amazing work with some of these flip cards. Oh yes. How about we, how about we talk about your favorite flip card so far? My favorite flip card? Not absent, you know that that thing. Oh, that 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 you know, that the uh, thing I in the ice. The thing in the ice. Yes, the thing yeah, in the that, ice. That thing. Uh, I love. I was watching Magic Mike's podcast this week, and Ruben bless Ruben uh, Bressler, who is uh, m- minor magic. Uh, magic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, personality. Um, he went ahead and kind of ruined everyone's fun. And it's if you look at the first letters of each of the words in its in its name, it's the titty monster. Oh God! I saw this tweet chain and I died. There's somebody, I forget what the actual thing was, but it's great. Uh. So Thing in the Ice is a one in a blue horror. It's a rare double face card. It's an O four O four defender for two. I'm not excited about that. Don't know about you. Like in Battle for Zendikar, we had an 06 defender for one in the white. Why am I? Why do I care about Thing of the Ice? Well, it enters with four ice counters on it. All right, so we have ice counters. Big key is anyone paying attention to magic. If you see counters and you see a, a word that you're not familiar with on it, probably finish reading the card. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, remove an ice counter from Thing of the Ice. Then, if it has no ice counters on it, transform it. So the big thing with Thing in the Ice is I have to pay two mana to play it. I then have to cast four instants or sorceries to even transform it. So that's at least four mana. Or the equivalent of four mana. We'll get into why that's important in a minute. And then you transform it into an Awoken Horror, which is a Kraken Horror. It says, when this creature transforms into Awoken Horror, return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. Now, John, this better be a good card. Well, it, it does flip into a 7-8. I'll take it. <laughs> so, Awoken Horror is... or Awoken Horror slash Thing in the Ice. It is the card that jumped up in pre-order value more than any other card that I've seen probably in recent history. So, what did you pick it up at? So, when I first saw the pre-orders on Star per City, I got it for $6 a piece. And, and what's it today? I checked earlier today on Star City Games. You can pre-order Thing in the Ice at $20 a piece. The hype train is massively behind this horror. Yes. Why Why does everybody love this card? Awake the, ho- awake the Kraken. Because you can't, you're not unleashing it. You're just waking it. Yeah, you're, you're waking him up. He was, he, was, he was having a little nap. He got frozen I've in ice. He was having a nap. I've already seen people altering this card to have uh, Aang. From uh, oh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a thing. Now, why is the hype train so real on this card? Well, two, a few reasons. One, it's blue. For some reason, Magic players love to overvalue blue cards. Two. So in standard or in limited, the transform clause is not going to be very easy to get to. However, if you're playing an older format like Modern or Legacy or God forbid Vintage, although I don't think it's going to see play in Vintage. There are a lot of instant sorceries that are legal in those formats that you can, quote, cast for free. What I mean cast for free is that you don't pay mana. Gotta love that Phyrexian mana cost. That that Phyrexian mana is is probably one of the biggest mistakes that Wizards ever made. For those who don't know, Phyrexian mana was printed and is an alternate mana cost. So you can pay it for the color it shows up as. Like there's blue, red, white, black, whatever. But it's a different little symbol from the one you're used to because it has the Phyrexian symbol inside of it. And what you can do is an alternate cost, you can pay two life 
You can shock yourself instead of paying that mana cost. Right. No, no notoriously famous cards for that are Gitaxian Probe, which is one Phyrexian blue. So you basically pay two life, and you can look at your opponent's hand, or draw, and then you draw a card. Yep, it's look at the opponent's hand, see what's going on, then draw a card at sorcery speed. It's gross. It is gross. So you could have a you could have a hand in modern where you have two lands, thing in the ice, and four Gitaxian probes, and flip it on turn two. Or you can have two Gitaxian probes, two Gutshot. Gutshot being a card for a red Phyrexian mana at an instant speed to deal one damage to target creature or player. Either way, it's gross and disgusting, and but that also doesn't take into things like a is it vampire hexmage? Uh, hexmage won't transform it though. That's the big thing. Vampire hexmage is a black black two one first strike vampire. You that can you remove can s- all the ice counters from it though. You can sack it to remove all the ice counters, but you still and have to cast trans- an instant sorcery to flip it. Because well, the trans- then just, but then you just wait until you have an instant sorcery. Yeah, that's true. You can, can do still, that. You can still blow away all your counters. This isn't no Dark Depths shenanigans, okay? They fixed Dark Depths. Sorry. Fixed. Loosely. <laughs> With quotes. Now, that's modern. What about in Legacy? Well, Legacy has these two counter spells called Days, which is one in a blue, counter target spell unless the controller pays one. Or you can p- cast it without paying its mana cost by returning an island to your hand. So again, remember, free spells. Or Force of Will, which... If you're a Magic player, you've probably heard of Force of Will. It is three blue-blue instant counter-target spell. Why is that card good? That card is worse than... What was the card that everybody thought was Force of Will and Dragons of Tarkir? Uh, Contradict. It was uh, three blue-blue counter-target spell draw card. But Force of Will has this alternate casting cost of exiling a blue card from your hand and losing one life. Also one of the many uh, things in Wizards of Regrets... Putting on a card. Yeah, yeah. Free the free mechanic is cool and all, but it's got a lot of problems. Yeah. So, but anyway, so th- there's ways to flip it. It's a, it flips into a seven eight. People are gonna love it. It's bonkers. It is very good. I don't think it's as good as I don't think it's a twenty dollar card. Fun I, fact. Fun fact though, with the Woken Horror, when you flip it in modern, if your opponent has a spell scout on the board, the spell scout stays. Yes. So if you're gonna be playing Thing of the Ice. Look up what the horror cards are and which ones are good in, in your format of choice. So, because Spellskite is a card that exists, so you have to be aware that Spellskite exists in your format or other other horror cards. Like the one we got in this set as well. Yes, there, the are, there, there, are, the Delver. Yeah, there are. There are a few other horrors that are going to be in the set. So let's go ahead and go from this conversation to... We're going to skip... We're going to... We'll talk about more of the cards that have been spoiled, but let's talk about the two of the cards that that have that we know about that haven't been spoiled yet. And that's because in one of the daily updates that they've been doing on the Mothership, which has been amazing, Blake Rasmussen is doing a great job there. He put up the product sheet and he put a bunch of pictures of the booster pack images and he put a little 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 teaser in there for us. What the teaser told us is that Luis Scott Vargas, Magic Pro is going to be spoiling the two of the three Planeswalker cards in the set. Wasn't it, wasn't it, some of it was just, tweet, like, basically it was like GGXR? Uh, I saw something like that. Something they were trying lines. to figure out, they were trying to figure out what, what it meant. There, there was the one G-G- where it said Mothership Pun Master Smart 317. 
that was another one was and then another one was ggxr yes so one of them is arlen who is um, arlen cord who if you follow the magic storyline which you should they've been doing a great job was spoiled as a werewolf planeswalker native to innistrad dude she looks so cool she looks so cool um, the great things about Arlen are twofold. One, she's a werewolf. That's going to be plane, sweet. A planeswalker werewolf. Yeah, a, a planeswalker werewolf. That's going to just gonna be amazingly sweet. Also, she's probably going to be a double-faced card, and that's kind of the, the hint that we've been getting. Also, if you look at her art, she adds another dimension to our planeswalker rogues gallery that we haven't had in a planeswalker who's not who's a non-dragon planeswalker because we know Nicol Bolas and Ugin are ancient who is in the older age bracket. She's middle-aged. She's, like, 40-ish. Yeah. She is, like, there have been, like, oh, it looks Gourney Weaver's a Planeswalker now. Um, there have been a few <laughs> other, you know, some of our more famous aging actresses where that I, she resembles. I've, I've just seen a lot of people, like, so you're telling me that we didn't get, like, a teenager female Planeswalker for once? Sweet. Yeah. Everyone's loving the diversity. I frankly love it because she just looks awesome. Her art looks so good. Yes, her human form is very great. It's very regal. It's very matronly, which I think is definitely the vibe they were going for her. And then her werewolf form is just, just amazing. <laughs> it, it, I, I need to know who did the art on that because they did an amazing job. But anyway, we should we should love. Listeners know that this is being recorded on March 11th. Yes, this is These on March 11th. Are coming out in a couple of days. Yes. Now, the GGXR thing I was talking about is people are wondering where is Arlen going to be spoiled? Well, there are two cards in Magic's history that are an infamous combo. Their casting cards costs are GG, green green for one of the cards, and the other one is XR, X in red. Oh no. Oh, no, cards, I see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Those cards are Channel and Fireball, which is the website Channel Fireball. They're, so the GGXR hint was them him basically hinting that a green red, possibly potentially green red planeswalker, is being spoiled on a website named after a green red card combination, which I thought was just frankly pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, Channel Fireball is. Again, it's one of the major content producers in the Magic community. If you're unfamiliar with it, uh, I would be frankly shocked unless you were if unless you're fairly new to the game. Enfranchised players know who Channel Fireball is. They know who the who the Magic pros are who write for there. They produce they produce teams of players that just dominate events. Like the last Pro Tour Tour was dominated by Channel Fireball. Wasn't yeah Grand Prix Detroit was to the Pantheon. Yes. Yeah, Channel Fireball Pantheon members. Yes. So it's like they're they're a force in the magic yeah. world. But I think it's really cool that they had some little – they went all out with little tricks and hints and stuff this time. Yes. But I'm looking forward to seeing Arlen. Arlen is going to be super sweet. No one really knows what the heck the other card that LSV is going to be spoiling and Soren is going to do. Well um, – it's, it's probably not a reprint. Sure. Yeah, that gets us to the Soren spoiler, which is going to happen on the 17th. Now, we're not necessarily as excited about Soren because we just saw Soren in Cons of Tarkir. But you know what? Soren is probably going to do some cool things. He's going to be standard playable, probably, like most Planeswalkers are. Solemn Visitor was pretty playable. There is. Solemn Visitor was replacing Lord of Innistrad in Modern in some places. Because I people like it. Are, people are like, he can't be good. He makes tokens as a minus. But turns out 
Solemn Visitor, still a solid card. Fun fun story with Solemn Visitor real quick. Okay. GP Vegas. They had a little mini Masters thing. The mini Masters is a little format where you crack a booster pack, add, add three of each basic, you shuffle it up, and you play. You don't know what's in your pe- booster pack. And when you win, you get to add another booster pack to your card set, and you keep going. So I won my first round, went to the second round, ended up playing somebody who went turn four Soren, Solemn Visitor, made a vampire token, turn five Wingmate Rock. That was gross. It was disgusting, and I was like, I scoop. I, I just can't beat it, but it was great. Yep, that was pretty... I remember, I remember that story. I was like, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Planeswalkers we get. I wonder wh- where he's going to fall on the uh, the mana curve. Yeah, that's true. Any t- kind of speculation we make about that is just going to be, you were wrong, so I'm not going to even even start. But one thing, actually, speaking of mana curve and Planeswalkers, I know we, we're probably going to be getting a Jace. I would love to know where he's going to fall on the what I call basically the Jace curve. Oh, yes, the Jace curve. We've gotten a 2-drop. We've gotten a 3-drop. We've gotten a 4-drop. We've gotten a 5-drop. Was Guild Pack a 6-drop? No, Guild Pack was a 4. That was a 4-drop? So, you know, I wonder where he's going to fall in that spectrum. I would expect Jace to probably be in the 4-5 to five range. Yeah. Personally. Especially after the 2-drop baby chase we just got. Yeah, Vrim's Prodigy was very, was very, very good. So we'll see how that goes. But, so let's go ahead and jump back into the cards that we do know things about, and let's start. Let's talk about let's talk about some mythics, because remember those zombies I told you about? Well, Jeralf was busy. Zombies. Jeralf was busy. Uh, Jeralf being one of being the Stitcher, which is the the Innistrad term for the people who make the Frankenstein style zombies, and he gave us Jeralf's masterpiece, which is a blue mythic. He is a zombie horror for three blue blue, flying okay. seven seven. Take it, slam. Get my deck. Uh, he gets minus one, minus one for each card in your hand, though. Rats. But you can pay three and a blue and discard three cards to return him from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped. Sweet. Also, everybody's looking at the art and going, did Jeralf reanimate Grizzlebrand? Oh, honey. Now, what I really think is that Jeralf saw Grizzlebrand probably at some point and go, that guy's got the right idea. I'm just going to make Psych. a zombie after him. Giant blades on his hands? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, how good is Jarl's Masterpiece in Limited? He's probably amazing. How good is he in Standard? Mm, we'll see. Potential uh, top-end beat stick for Control Deck. Control Decks don't want a card that has minus one, minus one for each card in your hand, though. Yeah. But anyways, Jarl's Masterpiece is sweet. I love the flavor. It's a Madness Enabler if you have a lot of mana open. He's also really, really hard to kill, so that's a thing. Masterpiece. There's probably going to be some sort of deck. I, I can see some blue-black zombie deck playing him as maybe it's top end. Because zombies love being in the graveyard, like our other zombie. And why don't you tell us a little bit about this guy? So this guy has some insane flavor uh, from the art of it, from Ryan Yi. But this guy is called Relentless Dead for black-black. Two mana. He's a two mana two-two. Cool, He's awesome. A bear, a bear zombie. Hard to cast, but fair. Now he's a mythic, so you're like, all right, we got a bear zombie. It's two two for black black. What else does it do? Well, it's got menace. Now, all for right. those of you remember, they keyworded this ability of this creature can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. So you're looking at like 
okay, it's a 2 2 that's going to be blocked by two creatures. It's obviously going to die. When it dies, you may pay black. If you do, return it to its owner's hand. So if he dies, you can just essentially pay a black for a raise dead effect. Raise dead being the card that says one black return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay, so he's really hard to kill. Got it. But that's not it. It's a mythic. It's got more text. That text is when it dies, you may pay X. If you do, return another target zombie creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's a thing. Say you get late game in your blue-black zombie deck and you pay five mana and get your Gurolf's Masterpiece back on the battlefield. Yeah, that's a thing. Now, you know what is a card that's playable and that's been played in standard that is still going to be legal that is a zombie? And who go husk? I was thinking Fleshbag Marauder, but sure. Oh my god, I didn't even think about Fleshbag Marauder. Yeah, Fleshbag Marauder, 3-1 for 2 and a black. When he enters the battlefield, each opponent, each or each player sacrifices a creature. Yes. Now, you know what another piece of text that Relentless Dead is missing? What's that? Can't can't block. I know. So he can block. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah, he's bro. he's much better than we thought. Not only a is he zombie, a lot of zombies at that mana cost at that at rare or higher usually have the drawback of can't block. Right. Blood gas being the most famous one, even though it's not a zombie, it's a vampire. It's two one vampire for black black. It it has landfall where you can put it back into play, where if you play a land you just return it to the battlefield, but it can't block. Now I mentioned there's some flavor behind this card. Yes. What's what's that flavor, Ian? So the flavor is in the artwork by Ryan Yee, which is incredible. It's not, it's a zombie that's in a church with a stained glass window of Avacyn behind it that's broken. This is a massive, massive callback to the original Innistrad of a card called Endless Ranks of the Undead. And I think it's just Endless Ranks of the Dead. Endless Ranks of the Dead, right. Yeah. Endless Ranks of the Dead, which basically was, uh, was like three black-black enchantment at the be- I want to say it was at the beginning of your upkeep, put a zombie token on the battlefield. Look up quick. And then you do that for all other zombies, if I recall correctly. Endless Ranks of the Dead. So it was, yep, oh, it was two black black enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put X two two black zombie creatures tokens onto the battlefield, where X is half the number of zombies you control rounded down. So perfect flavor home run for zombies as the slow horde that builds up and builds up, and as long as long, if you don't kill all of them. They're going to keep coming back, and they're going to keep coming back after you. All right, so you pay it, you put the four down. You, you, your next upkeep, you might have one or two zombies on the battlefield. Say you have two. So you're going to get half of that rounded down, so you put one on there. Say you play another zombie, you end up with four. Next turn, you get two, and then it just starts rolling exponentially and starts really overwhelming your opponent. But what's really cool about Endless, Relentless Dead is that it pairs with another card, Shard of Broken Glass. Oh, yes. Which is... <laughs> which is a one mana uh, artifact equipment. It's a common. Equipped or creature gets plus one plus zero with an equipped cost of one. When it attacks, you may put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. That card does work very well with Relentless Dead. And Delirium. And Delirium, that too. But yeah, it's it's just there's flavor across the board, and I love it. Yeah, I can see why people love the original Innistrad box. Oh yes, oh yes. Let's get on to some other. All right, so let's talk about brains. brains. Sometimes you think you, your brain might be in a jar. Well, Wizards has a card for you. It's called Brain in a Jar. 
<laughs> it's a two-mana artifact. It's a rare, so you're not going to see this very often in Limited. You might see this sometime in Constructed, because this is an effect that in the past has been abusable, but we'll see why it might not quite get there. So for one mana and tap it, you can put a charge counter on Brain of the Jar, and then cast an instant or sorcery from your hand of that current mana cost with for free. So I pay one, I tap it, I cast a one drop. Next turn I pay one and tap it, cast a two drop, and I go up the chain. And then, eventually I'm going to be hit a mana cost where I can't cast an instant sorcery of that amount, say seven. Well, then I have three and tap and remove X charge counters from Brain in the Jar, scry X. And you can pick X in this case. And you can pick the X. So if you have two charge counters and you need to get back to one, you can remove one counter. If I have seven on there I need to, and I need to get back to one, I can remove six and scry six. Yeah. When Great this flavor. Was when this card was spoiled, everyone's like, oh my god, it's the Aether Vial for instants and sorceries. Now, Aether Vial was in a similar vein that you could put a charge counter on it, and then you could was it pay one and tap it? Or No, no, no. Aether Vial is a one-mana artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on it. Right. And then you can tap you can tap it, and then you may put a creature of that of the same converted mana cost as you have charge counters into play. Now, Aether Vial has here. two has a few major advantages over Brain of the Jar. One, oh. it's cheaper. Comes down on turn one. Brain of the Jar, two. you gotta wait. There's no mana cost associated with the tap ability. And there's no mana cost associated to putting charge counters on it. And the the key word you mentioned there was may. This yes. is a you will put a charge counter on this card when you tap it, as yes. opposed to the other one where you can just let it tick up to two and then say, I'm going to get all my two drops for free. Yeah. Namely used in Merfolk decks for that one. Uh, Death and Taxes. Oh, yeah, that one plays a two. Yeah. Th Thalia at instant speed is rough. Now, oh, gross. Or, even even better, Lean and Arbiter. But we'll get into that <laughs> when we ever talk about Modern again. So Brain of the Jar, sweet, super flavorful. Not that good. I hope not to see it in my pool at pre-release. Yeah, that's true. Now let's talk about another card that has some super flavor implications and might be a card that's going to be very debatable. That is Declaration in Stone. This was one of the big... This was, I think, the big reveal from the Markov Manor escape room over in Bologna, where it's one in the light for a sorcery, exile target creature, and all other creatures its controller controls, weird phrasing with the same name as that creature. So it's, if you're familiar with Bile Blight from Theros or um, Detention Sphere from Return to Ravnica, it's that same type of effect. But then that player investigates for each non-token creature exiled this way. This might be decent against token strategies. Yeah, that, it, this card is great against tokens. The debate with this card is, is this in White's Color Pie? That is questionable. Because Swords to Plowshares is probably the best removal spell ever printed. It's one white, exile a creature, its controller gains life equal to that creature's power. Best removal spell printed, I don't care what you say. Yeah. Then, in Shards of Shards of Alara, they printed Path to Exile. One of the white instant, exile target creature, its controller puts a basic land into play tapped. Might not be the second best removal spell ever printed, but it's up there. And every and Mark Rosewater again, chief it's, of the color a, pie. It's efficient, unconditional removal in white, and black is supposed to be the king of that. Now the big question is, can white remove creatures 
if they give something back to the controller, and that's really the big debate. And Declaration in Stone does this by giving your opponent investig giving them clue tokens. So you, if, could, you could blow out a board of say six or seven tokens, but you're going to give them seven clues. No, because it's each non-token oh, creature. Oh, right, right. So it's great against tokens. It's great against tokens. But if you try, let's say that your opponent has three Relentless Dead in play, and you Declaration and Stone them, they get three clue tokens. Yeah. So the big debate is: is this a thing? Is the, well, is this supposed to be in white's color pie? Some of R and D. I look at I look at it. Why it might be in white's color pie is based off of the lovely little tiny bit of flavor text at the bottom of it. And that's really why this is this is a white card, I believe, or and at least says, that's the, the flavor of clear it. To Soren, Nahiri had paid a visit. To Mar had paid Markov Manor a visit. Now Nahiri is a white planeswalker, and this is basically a Nahiri removing a bunch of vampires. There's a, basically the art shows a ton of vampires just fused into stone columns, yep. which we all know Nahiri is a planeswalker that messes with stone. Her epithet is the lithomancer. Right. So I'm okay with that because it's unconditional removal with the drawback. Yeah. I view, I view personally that investigate giving you the clue tokens in this case is a drawback because... It is a significant drawback because you're basically saying your opponent here... If you have enough mana, you can pay two mana and draw a card for each creature I just killed. Yeah. So, we'll see. And I think by the time that it's going to be an actual card that you need to worry, like you're going to worry about, okay, getting rid of two or three of a card an opponent's played, they're going to have the mana to probably just be like, all right, fine, I just pop all my clues then. Right. Also, it's sorcery speed, so it's only going to be on your turn. Correct. So they can pop their clues on your end step and then. Yeah, and you're just kind of... They're drawing four cards, basically. Down on your luck, yeah. So, now, remember how we said that there might not be an Investigate deck? Well, here's a card that let that powers out Investigate. And it is the Bygone Bishop. <laughs> uh, spoiled by the Lady Planeswalker Society out near um, Seattle. Yep. It's a 2 and a white, 2-3 flyer at rare. It's a Spirit Cleric. That's solid. I'd play that. Mm -hmm. It says whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost three or less, investigate. So, so this, this guy is going to be fun. This guy is going to be best friends with a, another spell that is not leaving standard in Collected Company. Ooh. Because the bishop can be fetched with Collected Company. Remember, though, that they don't get puts them on the battlefield. It doesn't cast them off. The yeah, board. but you're still playing a deck full of three drops. Oh, of course. I, I yeah, obviously. But. <laughs> now, yeah, you're not going to draw the cards off of Collected Company, but it, it goes perfect in that style of deck because you get to just get a free artifact that you can then sack later. So no, I'll, Bish take, I'll take it. I'll take a, a three drop, two three flyer any day of the week, and an extra little bit of text on there just incentivizes me if I if I happen to open a bygone Bishop pack one pack pack one of a draft, I'll take him and then just start valuing low. I, I honestly think he'd be great in white-black from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I totally agree. He's super, super fun. Uh, let's see, we've already talked about the journal. Are there any rares that we missed that we want to talk about? I don't think we have. Yeah, there's some of the pack ones, but... Well, there's this. the Mind Rack Demon, and there's the Eerie Interlude, but I think they've been probably talked about enough so far. Oh, wait, Soul Swallower. Forgot about him. He's okay. He's fun. He's a 3-3 three, three for 2 green-green. He's a worm. Rar, he has trample, cool, and then he <laughs> has delirium, 
At the beginning of your upkeep, there are four more card types among card types in your graveyard. Put three plus and plus counters on Soul Swallower. I think he's mediocre. I think he's good in limited. I don't think he's good in standard. He, he did, it, it requires a lot of work. If I open him and I take him, I'm going to make it work. <laughs> well, right, but that's what Attacking with a 6-6 six, six Trampler on turn 5, feasibly, is, is going to be super, super powerful. Oh, right, but you're going to have to build your deck to include enough of every given type that you're going to be able to actually reliably trigger him. That's true, but most limited decks are going to at least have creatures, lands, and maybe an instant and or sorcery. The right. trick is going to be putting but, them all into your graveyard. You get what I'm saying. To get him on curve and to get him rolling on time, it's going to take some finessing of your deck. Yeah, totally. So, but let's move okay. on to the uncommons and the commons. Oh, can I talk about this guy? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I used to play where this guy came from, which was Delver of Secrets, but we're talking about the aberrant researcher. Who was I think it's pronounced aberrant. Aberrant? Yeah, I've... I've goof that one it's aberrant researcher which is three and a blue two three flying so it's got the stats of our lovely insect friend from the flipped side of delver of secrets which was insectile aberration eh? yeah see what it did there but this is a human insect at the beginning of your it's a flip card at the beginning of your upkeep you may put the top card of your library in your graveyard if it's an instant or sorcery card remember originally Delver wanted some instants or sorceries. You transform him. And what does he transform into? He transformed into Perfected Form, which is a 5-4 flyer. That's cool. it. Just a 5-4 flying beat stick. With a block of flavor text. Not going to lie, though. Across the entire four-card cycle of this, the flavor text is pretty freaking sweet. Yes. The flavor text of the entire cycle is great. Delver of Secrets, the front side, did not have any flavor text, but Insectal Aberration had flavor text. Aberrant Researcher has flavor text, even though it's one line. And Perfected Form finishes it off neatly with a bow. Can I also just say that I'm happy they brought Nils Hom back for the art for it? Yes, this is another flavor home run. Ryan Yi did Endless Ranks of the Dead and Relentless Dead, and then Nils Han did, uh, or Nils Hom did Delver of Secrets and Aberrant Researcher. It's great. I love the callbacks through the art. It's amazing. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about a card that I think I'm going to lose to a lot, and that is Avicinian Missionaries. This is another double-faced card. They are a human cleric at 3 and a white for a 3-3. Three, three. That's not exciting. But at the beginning of your end step, if, Av if Avicinian Missionaries is equipped, transform it. Said that a couple times fast. Yes. <laughs> and they flip into the Lun Lunarch Inquisitors. Uh, they are 4-4 four, four now, and then when they enter the battle, when this creature transforms into Lunark Inquisitors, you may exile another target creature until the Lunark Inquisitors leaves the battlefield. So the flavor here is you have some missionaries who come to your town, open arms, preaching about the word of Avicen, and then they find some weapons, and then they go, nope, you all are going to be, you all are sinners, and we're all going to prove that you're sinners. I do like how they, they're hinting Lunark Inquisitors. You know. Well, if you remember, read the flavor text. We come, we come bearing the word of Avacyn and the Lunark Council. The moon plays a huge role in the lore of Innistrad, plays a huge role in the church. And remember, Micaeus, the old head of the church, was Micaeus the Lunark. Yep. So, yes, playing into the whole moon thing, we know. 
and then when they when they transform, it is we become bearing the tools of confession and absolution. Great card. I think it's good. Depends. It'll, it'll how good it is in limited will depend on the equipment we see. I mean, we've seen Shard of Broken Glass, which is relatively cheap. But... It's not great. It's not great. All right. So let's talk about an, the card that is probably the new Delver. In yeah. Air of Falconrath. Delver 2.0. So what does Air do? All right. Air of Falconrath is a one in a black, two one, creature vampire. So you're already paying one mana more, but you still get the two ones. No, no, Delver's 1-1. One, one. Yeah, Delver's 1-1. Yeah, one, one. For, for extra mana, you get an extra point of uh, power on that. Pikers are good. Goblin Piker being the slang for a 2-mana 2-1. Yep, but you discard a card. Hello, Madness. Trans Or, not Madness. Yeah, Madness. Oh, Madness. Yeah, right. Discard a card. So this is one of your Madness enablers at Uncommon. You transform Air of Falconrath. Activate this ability only once each turn. I don't know why you would want to activate it multiple times, but it, whatever. Madness. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, all right, cool. Anyway, it flips into a 3-2 flyer, which is the Del which is the flip Delver. Which uh, is the stats. heir to the knight. So. So, it's, it's a good card. I, like, remember I mentioned that by bygone bishop uh, black-white deck? I am perfectly fine with playing <laughs> heir right alongside that bishop. Yes, she is amazing. There's also a lot of neat tricks about her art you can look into. It's awesome. <laughs> the, the bat. Yeah, the bat. The bat in her in the negative space in the art is amazing. Basically. So let's talk about the last double face card that we have spoiled, which is a card that every single player that I've read on their Twitter they're like, I'm going to lose this card so often. It's going to be annoying, and that is the Hinterland Logger. She is a <laughs> one in a green human werewolf two one. When you see werewolf, that probably means that there is a backside to this card, which is the werewolf side. And all so, the werewolves have the same trigger condition. That at the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, you transform the transform this creature. So you can technically play around two. Your opponent will play something. But you could just say, I'm going to take turn three off to trigger her condition. Now, the scarier thing is, I'm going to play my Hinterland Harbor or Hinterland Logger past the turn, and your opponent's going to look at their hand and go, I don't have a two-drop. I don't have a two-drop. Uh, or it's like, yeah, it's like, I have a four-drop. Whoops. And why is that bad? Because they tr she transforms into the Timber Shredder, which is a trampling werewolf, which is, I guess, fine, but it's a four-two. Attacking that on turn seems, three. That seems like it's going to outclass a lot of the lower drops. Yeah. And then all the werewolves have the second trigger condition that say, at the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, you transform Timber Shredder. Now, I like the art on her as well, because she's very similar in line with uh, Arlen. Yes. And that it's just a middle-aged boss lady. Yeah. Now, the, another reason why I love the art on this card is that for most of the double-faced cards, you'll have a front side which represents kind of before the transformation, and then you'll have a backside that that is after the transformation, and side good. A references side B. Here the art is flipped almost. Here the art is hinterland heart is the hinterland logger holding a tree over her shoulder, and you can already see the claw marks on the tree. Whereas the flip side has the her werewolf form cutting down the trees. 
It's so perfect. It is also, great. Also, though, look at the, the logger. She's got a damn tree over her shoulder. She's, yeah. She's, she's, a, she's beastly as it is. She's, she's probably stronger than a 2-1, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are there any other comments that we haven't talked about that you want to go ahead and mention? Um, well, I mean, there were some that came out literally today. Yes. That are going to be great for limited. We might see them. They might see some constructive play based off of what we saw with cons or Tarkir mana. Yeah. But that is the ally. No. Enemy. These are enemy? Yeah. I always the, get them mixed up. Yeah, enemy, the, in, the, the enemy, enemy or the color. opposites. Yeah, right. The enemy color. Uncommon land cycle. Which is essentially aping what we just got in uh, Oath, which is it just enters the battlefield tapped. We're not getting any life gain. We're not getting I any think, gate subtypes. I think they basically realized, yo, us printing those like things like Swiftwater Cliffs, <laughs> Scour Barons at common, enters the battlefield tapped. Obviously, they needed the mana, but it had the, the gain one life refuge land ability on it. It was like, that's a little powerful for common. Well, I don't think, I think they needed them in cons to incentivize you to. Oh, yeah. them it up. was definitely they were definitely pushed for yeah. the archetypes and limited. But we get the white black, the black green, the blue red, the red white, and the green blue. Now these are important because they have generic names. The allied ones from Oath of the Gate from Oath of the Gatewatch were renames of the same cycle from Eighth Edition or from 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 Invasion, where they had Dominaria centered names. Whereas the names of now all ten of these cards are not plane specific. So the white black one is the Forsaken Sanctuary. The green black one is the Foul Orchard. The blue red one is the Highland Lake. The red white one is the Stone Quarry. And the blue green one is the Woodland Stream. These are perfect. all not. They go for it. Yeah, they did it perfect. They could fit on any plane. And that's what they've. I've loved how they started doing that with a lot of these dual uncommon lands that they could so it's like okay now we have a white black enters battlefield tapped uncommon land we can bring back in a later set if we need to yep same with the allied lands which are meandering river submerged boneyard cinder barons timber gorge and tranquil expanse non-plane specific they can use them anytime they want now people are upset that these are uncommon when we had the guild gates and we had the the cons lands at common once again those were gold sets. This is not a gold set. This is not a multicolor yeah. focused set. I am fine. I'm fine with them trying to shoehorn us into two colors for this limited format. Yes. Fine by me. Yes. So. Oh, so we got another card though that was spoiled today. Yes. Another flip card. This one came from Nerdist, but it's Pious Evangel. It's two and a white for a two-two. All right. Cleric. When, he, when Pious Evangel or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. That's already a effect that White's seen. Usually it's on cheaper creatures, such as Soul's Attendant or Soul Warden. So kind of like the Soul Sisters deck. Yes. Effect. But this has two tap, sacrifice another permanent. Permanent, mind you. Transform, <laughs> Delirium. Yep. Sorry. Transform Pious Evangel. He turns into the Wayward Disciple, which is black. So remember, he's going from a white card to a black card. Creature Human Cleric, 2-4. Whenever Wayward Disciple or another creature you control dies, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. It has the Drain Clause. Yes. 
That's very important for standard if this card sees standard play because we still have Zulaport Cutthroat, a two mana one one that when it dies or another creature you control dies, it, you have an opponent lose a life and you gain a life. Yep. Now, fun thing, I always like referencing art, and this kind of ties into the clue thing, and we can bring it right on home to that whole lovely little elephant tentacly monster in the room. Yeah, whatever's going on there. On on the dagger of Wayward Disciple, we see a circle with a couple of what looks like hooks. It's upside down, so they look kind of like shepherd's crooks. But if you flip it the other way around, and we see the same symbol on the leaked clue uh, token from John Avon, it's a circle with what could potentially be tentacles coming from it. Yeah. And it's all on the cards that have to do with flipped stuff. Plus, in the background, there's a couple of shadowy figures, as well as some of the lovely cryptoliths. Yes, the cryptoliths have been popping up in art quite frequently. Uh, they are most prevalent on the on one of the land spoiled, which is Warped Landscape. Uh, they look just like kind of stone pillars coming out of the ground, and they have a sculpted top to look almost like a bird's head. If you've seen the release trailer, it's the things that are that were placed in a circle that make that weird kind of portal-looking type thing. Yeah. Now, but, what's up with the cryptoliths? Well, the speculation currently is that they're made by Nahiri, which makes sense, but we're not entirely sure. Well, yeah, but also the flavor text on the aforementioned warp landscape, which is a land tap to add wingdings, so that is your colorless mana. So one colorless mana. It's your mana pool, but also has two tap, sack, warp landscape. Search your library for a basic land card and put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. This is actually a functional reprint of a card that I forget the name of. Um, I think it's from Invasion, but it does the exact same thing. It's like a more expensive panorama. Basically. But what's that flavor text say? But the flavor text... Okay, the art... We'll have to mention art first, though. It has Nahiri, or what we're assuming is Nahiri based on the fact that it's a small, tiny figure with what looks like a white head wearing clothing similar to what we've seen Nahiri wearing. It's brown-colored. A blade that's glowing, which is basically her Stoneforge blade. She's standing on a rock in the middle of a bunch of cryptoliths, and it says, Each cryptolith twists the plane's mana, bending its flow to a singular purpose. This is the big signal that, hey, you should be looking for Nahiri. Hey. Now, what everyone people are starting to think is that there's some stuff, red tentacly things or vines coming out of the ground. People are just thinking that maybe she's pulling. She's trying to be like, all right, Soren didn't help me with my plane on uh, Zendikar. Uh, time for me to go through with his pet plane of Innistrad. Yeah, we'll I see. I'm going to have a lot of fun trying to suss out what the story is going on. Like, who's the mystery? And and all of Wizards' marketing and all of Wizards' efforts have been to putting this whole experience together. And what is happening? What's going on? Why Why is everybody going mad? Why is everybody doing things that they shouldn't be? Why is everybody going crazy? What's going on? Why what are, are the, things showing up where they shouldn't be? What, what are the clues pointing to? Why are we? Why do we need to investigate? Why are the people falling into madness? Why are, are people going delirious? Up, why are eyes popping up everywhere? Yeah, it's, it's they're doing if the, all the mechanics have hit a flavor home run with the with the 
efforts they are trying to put they're trying to pull it I'm, is great i'm frankly super stoked for this set it looks like it's going to be amazing on a flavor level on a limited level so far i mean a lot of these mechanics seem like they're going to play together really nicely it's not going to be something like oath where it's just like well there's a couple of general strategies and then a couple of colors are great in terms of just let's pick good cards i mean you have like the white black strategies in the current limited environment but after that it's just kind of like let's just play some good stuff yeah this looks like you're going to want to be able to you're going to be able to draft some synergistic stuff it's going to be a lot more like battle for zendikar draft looks like yeah there might be some stuff for eternal formats who knows but well every hope is that is that a set has something for eternal formats but for for a for a set that's a return to a plane they're nailing it in the art direction. They're nailing it in terms of story continuing progress. We've It's been some time since we've been on this plane and things have gone from the gothic horror environment to who knows what the heck's going on. We need to investigate a mystery. Well, the, the, the Let's real... Let's go scooping the gang. We got this. <laughs> the, the theme you're looking for is Lovecraftian horror. Right. Which is, the, which is the, uh, the eldritch horror, the... Oh, hey, what's the next set name, by the way? Eldritch Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is an entirely another take on horror. If Innistrad was gothic horror, it is the classic horror tropes. It had it had the werewolves, it had Count Dracula, it had Frankenstein's monster. This is the madness. This is the the Lovecraftian horror, the horror of the mind, the horror of what's going on. Why is everything falling apart? Why is why does nobody see the world as I see it? That is really what this this set is kind of leaning to, and all the mechanics point in that direction. If you are if you're going crazy, you have madness. If you are if you're delirious, then things just keep happening. And like the big the biggest flavor hit I think is that it might actually just be Mindrack Demon. It was the <laughs> cover of the cursed deck in the Blessed versus Cursed dual deck. Uh, real quickly, it's a four five demon for four mana. It has flying and trample. When it enters the battlefield, you mill yourself for four cards. So you put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. And then it has Delirium. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose four life unless you have four or more card types in your graveyard. So the Mindrack Demon is so maddening to look upon that unless you are delirious, you take damage just by seeing it. That until you are crazy, you cannot accept the fact that this demon exists. The actual art for it? Leagues better than the promo in my mind. I don't know. I think I like the promo art better personally. Yeah. Each their own. To, yeah, to each their own. Different different strokes for different folks. Oh yeah, but this set, it's already shaping. I mean, I know it's like new set hype, but at the same time, it's like hell yeah. Yeah. So, this set is looking super sweet. Spoilers officially start March fourteenth, which is also Pi Day, for those of you who who are math nerds like myself. So it's three days away from now. So three, probably three by the time recording. we hit our next podcast, we're going to be full bore in this spoiler season. Oh, yes. And, that, and we didn't even talk about uh, Incorrigible Youths and all the flavor hits that are going on in it or Ravenous Bloodseeker. We didn't talk about Clip Wings or the Magnifying Glass. There are a bunch of cards that we haven't even talked about that are going to be super sweet. Now, and, we still, and we were still able to have a massive conversation on it. This set's just going to be yeah. gold. Looking yep. amazing so far. Yeah, so we're, we are at an hour and a half right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just it. to show you how much we can talk about this. 
just oh man. Hopefully we haven't turned you off by now, and if you haven't, well, I, thanks for sticking around. There are people who listen to the limited resources set reviews, which are five hours long. So, oh, you don't expect a set review from us. No, we're we're not going to do the card by card that Marshall and LSV do, or even the pseudo card by card that Marshall does with Eric Froelich on constructed resources. We'll just, would, have, we'll just probably have massive spoiler dumps like this. We're just like, oh my god, check these cards out. They're so cool. The yes. flavor's going to be great. After we see the set, we might do another recap of just go, what are, what are, our, what are our high notes? What are, the, what, are we, what are we excited about seeing what, now that we have what am, what am I looking forward to play with? Yes. I wouldn't expect the, all right, guys, I hope you have a comfortable chair. Here's a five-hour <laughs> marathon. No. Yeah. No. But this should be fun. Yeah, we'll we'll see where things go as well with a podcast from here. Yeah, so if you preferred the shorter length or you like the the hour and a half length, which I know is a very dangerous question to ask, after seeing <laughs> some of our other other friends who make content realize that the fans wanted a two hour podcast for one of the topics that they were talking about, um, that is going to be if, something that we're gonna we're gonna be monitoring. So if you guys want to find us on the social media and stuff like that to figure to let us know what you think about this or if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to be discussed by the two of us. John, tell us where they can find you. Well, they can find me at jwiley129 on Twitter. That is also my Twitch handle, so if you see me around Twitch, just go ahead and say hi. And for me, you can find me at on Twitter at DixonIJ, that's D-I-X-O-N-I-J, or on Twitch at just simply plain old Dix, that's D-I-X. Yes. I'm probably going to be streaming this weekend. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, also, I got, I got, I got a steel pool I got to, I got to play through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have that experience right now. I'm currently one and two in a sealed league after a pretty mediocre pool. Now, another thing that I forgot to mention in the last episode, we do have a podcast-specific Twitter. It is literally Eyes on the Mize. If you search at Eyes on the Mize, that is the podcast's Twitter that we have set up. Uh, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the one currently running it. So if you want to talk to me specifically about podcast things, you can hit me up there. Also, I'll, be keeping, we're gonna be, I'll be keeping an eye on that one as well. Yes. We're going to be posting all, links to all the posts and all of the podcasts there as well. Also, we'll be retweeting it, I'm sure. We'll, we will be – you'll find it if you follow either one of us or if you just want to follow Eyes on the Mize on Twitter. So true. And also, you mentioned we have a nice, spiffy little website that's being worked up right now. Yes. It is currently just a little blog. We will have official links later, and hopefully by episode three, we will be able to just go ahead and give you that link and let you know where you can find us. Yep. So, oh, that was fun. Yeah. Again, an hour and a half talking about, what's this, 50 cards maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was fun. All right. So anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. All right. Have a good one.